It is time for Personal Mastery with Dr. Tepiso Madenji, psychologist, life coach, and personal change catalyst. It is a journey, this thing we call personal mastery, and it requires that we confront many different issues, matters that relate to our lives on a daily. And this is why we have this session. Doc, good morning. Good morning, family. How are you guys? Very well. And how are you? I am absolutely together. Thank you so much. That is beautiful, but let me tell you something, Doc. Today's discussion is one that is going to take a lot of people to a really, really difficult place. Um, We talk about suicide today and particularly things that parents can do to prevent suicide, if that is even the case, because very often we find ourselves asking questions. Why? If we had known, we could have intervened. So I know there are people who are going to be taken to a very difficult place. It's a difficult conversation, no doubt, isn't it, Doc? Yes, it is. Um, And we are particularly speaking about it because our matriculants are getting their results in the um, government schools in a couple of days. And we are very aware that for some of our learners, they may be confronting the reality that they didn't do as well as they could have or that Mm. us as a family didn't support them as well as they could have. Or the fact that, yes, they did, they've achieved everything else that they could have wanted, but there's no resources, there's no money, there's no facilities to take them to where they want to go. So we're going to find a lot of families facing a lot of challenges in the next few days. 2020 was difficult, but for those youngsters, these next few days are going to be even more difficult because it's imminent, it's a do or die for them. So today, I want to address the adults in the kids' lives particularly speaking at it from an angle of empathetic and compassionate parenting. I want to have a conversation with parents for you to recognize that as adults, as people, you actually have the capacity to respond to what your loved ones are going through and Mm. experience it with them from a place of compassion, from a place of understanding what they're going through, not just recognizing only at the emotional um, impact of what's happening with them, but also understanding cognitively what they may be going through, the experiences that they're having, how they're looking at the world, as well as their behavior, understanding that how they are behaving right now, whether they're withdrawing from you, whether they are acting out, whether they are actually now being rebellious or cantankerous, whatever you might be seeing in terms of their actions and their behaviors, it can be a reflection of what's happening. I'm asking that you don't just engage with what is overtly indicated to you. Look also at what is covert, the non-verbals. Look at the currencies, the temperature, the mood, just how somebody is carrying. Because when somebody is going through a difficult time, you want to be able to slot in and understand what they're going through, be able to read it and then be able to respond appropriately in a compassionate way. Doc, are there any appropriate ways to respond, especially if you are maybe not familiar with um, suicide and the signs? You're just carrying on like you don't know how to respond to a person who's suicidal. Look, um, I think what I want to emphasize is that for you to be able to recognize that this person is suicidal and this person is going through a difficult position, the level of awareness that needs to begin has to begin first with you being aware. You actually need to be able to recognize that what you are sensing when you're with this person, that they're down, that their mood is not okay, that there's, there's something, there's a dark class surrounding them, for you to trust your own judgment. So it requires for you to be aware of who you are and how you are when you are in the space and actually not just come from a place of doubt and thinking, 
perhaps there is something that I'm sensing. Let me begin to have a conversation. Mm. And then recognizing that maybe the way that I'm engaging with the, the moment that I want to engage might not be the right place. And ask to create the, uh, a, a safe space for you to talk to them or to engage with them. It's away from the crowd. But that's the key thing, that matter awareness in terms of coming in. Secondly, there is, there's an importance when it comes to empathy about b- being non-judgmental, not being a critic. This is a small thing. You know, sometimes we think by being supportive, mm. we need to be able to fast forward your discomfort. We need to be able to tell you it's going to be okay. Well, now you are strong. You've gone through so much. Oh, no, it's not that bad. So and so, you know, I went through something worse when mm. my husband died or something like this happened. I thought I wanted to die. It's not about you. It is about this person. And you trying to fast forward or to hijack the emotional currency is actually not necessarily helpful. It is important that you recognize how to resonate with them, how to be able to slot in, shoot into where they are, and then just be present and provide that support without necessarily wanting to tell them how to feel and how to react. What I'm also looking for is for you to be able to be sensitive and responsive without bias and without misconception. You are not necessarily looking at somebody right now and only drawing on their prior experience of how they've handled previous traumas. You are trying to find out Mm. how are they doing right now. Maybe sometimes people do not know how to verbalize it. Be sensitive to that. Sometimes silence is okay. Be able to be willing to give them space without necessarily leaving them alone. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but basically I mean that you can see that this person doesn't necessarily want to talk. And they don't necessarily want to be alone, but they also don't want you to be crowding their space. And you just tell them, I am here. I'm available. If you need to talk, I'm going to be around. And you just hang around. And you just give tea or you, 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 you be able to just sit around and be in their space without necessarily uh, intruding in them. And then um, thirdly, it's about understanding what this person needs to be able to alleviate what they're going through. Now, I said earlier that you need to resist the urge to try and be judgmental and you need to be sensitive and responsive. But that doesn't mean you need to rescue and assist. Some of us go into problem-solving mode and conquering demons very quickly before the person is actually ready to act. So I am asking you to trust that they will communicate and if they cannot communicate it doesn't mean that you need to jump over them and try to rescue sometimes when we try to rescue a person we actually push them to retract and then they feel i'm a burden for 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 instance a lot of young people will tell you i do not communicate what i'm going through because i don't want to be a burden to my parents they have sacrificed so much for me everybody will be better off without me and they're at that verge where even if you come in to try and rescue and push them into action so that they get out of the difficult space they might feel like they are actually being an inconvenience to you, they will retract even further. But I do mean that behind the scenes, speak to other people that you know, speak to psychiatrists that you know, speak to psychologists and counselors that you know, to ask them, this is what my child or this is what my loved one is like. What can I do? Typically, when this is happening, what do I need to do? They might advise you to remove pills, to remove anything that you think it might be dangerous, to be, to, people, mm-hmm. to put them on suicide watch. And what I mean is, you're actually in the same room and occasionally you come in. You actually indicate that you are scared that they might try and take their lives. You're going to make sure that you remove anything that might put them in danger. You're going to keep checking in occasionally. Please don't put your switch, don't switch your phone off. Don't lock yourself in the room because we want to be able to know that should you need something, we'll be able to respond. Because if you are if you are neglectful or you are you are just distracted by other things, you might find that that's the few moments where that person actually uh, attempts mm-hmm. to or even uh, succeed and take their lives. Sure, absolutely. Doc, we'll take a bit of a breather now, but uh, very, very important conversation we're having at the moment with Dr. Tepiso Madenji. The things that parents can do to prevent suicide might even be a life experience that you 
that you have a lot to say on. So you can tweet us as well and hashtag the morning flavor. Scary that suicide is the second uh, leading cause of death in young people aged 15 to 24. And these are just some of the stats coming through. Um, and it is uh, scary. There's obviously something going on with a lot of young people in that regard. Dr. Tepiso Matenchi joins us this morning on Personal Mastery. And uh, really, this is what you as a parent can do um, in dealing with uh, issues um, around suicide, particularly, you know, identifying the signs in the name of preventing, you know, this very, very dreadful situation. And I must say, Doc, um, for some parents, it, it is very difficult mm. to deal with these issues. And also, there's a sense of helplessness or I don't know what to do. And sometimes that makes a lot of parents feel inadequate, feel, you know, that they that they're failing their children. And there is always help outside of your own intervention as a parent, isn't there? Uh, there is help. And then what you're raising is very important because what your child is going through, I remember one of my mentors, mom, was telling me that whatever your child is going through in terms of difficulties, you are going through it with them, whether you want to admit it or not. And some parents struggle with just going through it with their kids. They want their kids to toughen up. They want their kids to be able to say, to tell it, to put into words that I am not okay, I need help. When you yourself as an adult, in fact, are not very good at listening to yourself and even being able to admit that you are not okay. So look at your network of support. Look at the people. Most of us as professionals, as people who are working, we know one or two people within our circle of influence who can actually come into our rescue. Somebody who can provide the emotional support for you. So look at your environment. The second part is you are not going through this alone in, in as much as you might be ashamed or you might feel like um, there's a level of failure that you might be experiencing unfortunately those types of emotions and self-judgment are part of what isolates you and your loved one from accessing help and it might even make yeah. you delay in responding proactively to what is happening yeah. so put your pride mm. aside now i want to talk about how to actually communicate in terms of addressing the issues that you need and i want to talk about speech acts do you know that the words that you speak, they've got power in them? And particularly with regards to what your child or you are going through, the words that you use can actually have the power to help you to access the support that you need or to shut down any doors. And most of us are not very good at articulating what we need. We actually need to go for, se for sessions to talk about communication. You might find that even in your marriage you are struggling with communication because you do not know how to ask for help. So the first one, mm. be willing to make offers. Commit yourself to give people support. Be sincere. Be shown your commitment and be able to recognize that you are not able to offer somebody help if you are not competent in being able to provide that kind of support. Sometimes we oversell ourselves. We say, I'll be there for you. But as soon as that person starts responding in the way that we do not want or they're not accepting the help in the way that we would like them to accept it, we say, ah, but I bought. I told them to do mm. one, two, three, four, five. They didn't listen, so they're going to be on their own. And I'm like, hello, sure. So you were making mm. an offer, but actually what you meant is I'm giving an offer and the strings attached. I'm going to help you, but only if you do it my way. And sometimes part of what pushes people to suicide is that they are aware I was given advice, I was made an offer to get assistance. I don't necessarily want to do it the way that they want, and now because I haven't, now I'm not listening at all, and the person feels I'm not going to go anymore and be a burden. And that's part of where we, as individuals we need to recognize how our words can actually push people away. The second one is promises. When you are making a commitment to do what is asked for you. And sometimes as parents, we have a history of not keeping our promises, particularly with regards to showing up for our children in light of stresses and pressures and crises. 
And that means mm. you are actually communicating to this child that should there be a difficulty, like you're going to get in results, or like born. And you've done it in so many multiple ways that you are failing to show up. And even though in the next crisis with the matrix results, like in a few days, it's going to be coming out, you're not willing to admit that actually you failed in showing up previously. And that's why this child sure. is not coming to you. And so that child might be feeling a level of betrayal, a level of distrust, and maybe even a level of resentment. Or you might be feeling that you are resentful that every time when this child comes and I've made a promise that I will help, it's not coming out at the time that is convenient because I've got work and other pressures. I'm not even sure I've been the way that I promised. And as a result, I have betrayed them. So understand your own ways of communicating and how that could also be a reason why you're pushing people away. And then the third one, because I don't have enough time, request. Do you know that you need to be more, be able to model to your kids how to make requests? And when I say request mm. parents, I don't mean to go and bring bread or to go and put <laughs> a petrol in your car and then they go and take it on a speed. I mean asking for help. Request where mm. you are emotionally vulnerable, where you are asking for help, where you are genuine. You are actually aware that you are powerless and helpless and that you are so vulnerable that if they do not respond or honor your request, you're going to feel like people are not reciprocating in loving you or that you are actually feeling abandoned or that you're putting away your pride or that there's anger when what you've asked for hasn't been, um, hasn't, been, hasn't been responded to. That way of handling those types of things actually can reflect in how you encourage and model how children should be able to make requests. Because sometimes people make requests on us in a way that we are not really hearing and then they feel abandoned because of Kokobe, I told you mm. I needed a tutor. I told you I wasn't coping with Africans. I told you that the sure. African teacher doesn't like me and you didn't listen. So why are you expecting for me to get a distinction in Africans when I told you you were not there? Because you meet mm. those level of requests. And if those speech acts we are recognizing, well, we had a communication breakdown. It's okay. Let's have a conversation. Look at plan A, plan B, plan C. Worst case scenario, you feel the results monarchy. What are we going to do? Let's go and speak exactly. to a professional. Let's go and speak to people at the university who can tell us about the bridging class. Let's go and look at mm. where you can um, repeat your, your trick or, or, or do a rewrite. But also let's go look at colleges. There's multiple avenues for us to do it. It's not the end of this world. It's not the end of yeah. your life. It is okay. We can troubleshoot. Absolutely, Doc. And I think that's the essence. I saw a comment from somebody on my timeline talking about parents saying, you just want attention. Um, mm. And, and they, were, they were basically referring to how they've also um, attempted suicide several times, and that's the response they got. Mm. So I love the, the power of your, your conclusion and the tips there, Doc, to say, you know, that vulnerability as a parent is important because it is also exemplary to say it's okay to ask for help, and even you as a parent should not yeah. be afraid to do so. Doc, as always, thank you so much for your time. I don't know if you know anyone who's in matric, but if you do, we wish them well, Doc. Um, and I hope you will uh, be there for those who need you in this moment. Absolutely. And uh, to the matriculants out there, it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. Whatever is happening, it's going to be okay. Speak to somebody. Contact us. Let us help you. Do not take your life. You're worth being in this life. You're very important. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Dr. Tepisoma Denchi on Personal Mastery, and that is how we wrap up the show today. It's a Monday. Up next, we have The Bridge from 9 to 12. Uh, otherwise, we are done for the morning. Goodness me, time flies. So um, tonight, I'm back on Trending SA throughout the week. So tune in at SABC3 at 6 p.m. We'll be looking at all things trending, and we'll see 